Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hi, this is Jim White, and thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Today we welcome the head of the PGMOL, Howard Webb, into studio. We covered a range of topics as Howard spoke to myself and Simon, all about the implementation of VAR in the Premier League this season. He also explains why former players currently cannot be employed as video assistant referees. So, Howard, we'll get right into this because time's of the essence and if we can, we'll take some calls as well, maybe further down the line. Less than uh, six months into the role, has it been what you expected or is it more challenging than you thought it might be? Um, in many ways, it's been what I expected. Um, I've got to say, I think the the level of intensity and scrutiny has, has risen since I was last involved in the English game. I came off the field in 2014. I worked for a year within the backroom staff and then went away to the US and, and managed the referees in, in Major League Soccer. But but the, uh, the kind of lack of forgiveness these days is is, is pretty pretty obvious to me. And uh, and the uh, the officials and the players, everybody, of course, on the field, on the sidelines, are working under extra pressure scrutiny. It all means so much to everybody. And, and that's what makes it great as well, of course. We understand that's the place to be. We all have to be the best we can be to, uh, to keep pace. Uh, there are those in the game and there are those in here who haven't taken to VAR. Danny Murphy's one, I'll get to that. But as a former referee who had no VAR yourself, has it improved the game, Howard? Yeah, I think it has. I remember thinking back in the later sort of years of my career, situations that would happen in games that I was refereeing, you know, big you know, Sunday afternoon games, you know, Chelsea, Arsenal, Man U, Liverpool, and there'd be something happen in the game. I would make a decision. It might be a situation where there's a foul close to the edge of the penalty area, and I would give a decision based on that one view at full speed, knowing that 10 seconds later, millions of people are watching the replay at home. They know whether it's inside or outside the penalty area, but the person who needs that information, i.e. me, didn't have it and was hoping till the end of the game that I got it right. Now we've got this tool that we can use that can avoid those clear errors, provided that they are clear, to avoid those incorrect outcomes, those decisions that could affect the outcome of the game. So I think the referees enjoy it. I would have enjoyed using it and just doing it, just applying it in a way that, that has that sort of like minimum interference but gets the maximum benefit 
that we're looking to achieve, I think is really important. I think the tough question, Simon, for Howard is can he and others at the BGMOL ever make people fall in love with VAR? Because everybody's got their own perceptions of it, haven't they? <laughs> yeah, but I think there's a, a misdirection here. VAR is just humans interacting with a piece of tech and making decisions. And, and I think ultimately it's down to the quality of refereeing. I think the question is... Because I think it's unfair. I think the judgment calls are fair. I think I think unfair. I think the the observations being made about the only people that are not allowed to make mistakes are referees is unfair. Because I think managers and players make mistakes, and the standards these guys are getting held to is wrong. But I also think that there is an issue around the quality and the quality of refereeing engaging with the tech that was brought in to help, not embarrass, to help, not hinder. And it seems to me. Alongside the unrealistic expectations, there's also a lack of quality in some of the decision-making and some of the refereeing going on. OK, let's take an example. Howard, during Liverpool's 0-0 draw with Chelsea, Kai Havertz had the ball in the net shortly after half-time. On-field referee Anthony Taylor initially gave the goal, believing that the ball came off the chest before Chris Kavanagh on VAR advised him, overturn that decision. Here's how it went down from the official's point of view. It's a sure Come off field, decisions. Wait a minute. On field decisions, goal. Because I think it is Cavett's chest. Okay, mate. Just checking the goal. Point of contact there. Yeah. I'll just play right. through. Into play through. Net. Yeah. So just just uh, frame it on the arm. Right. That's clearly arm. Yeah. Tails. Yeah. I recommend you disallow the goal. Um, it's handball. Leads immediately to the ball in the net. Okay, From so it's factual, so we're going... Factual handball. Penalty spot. It's on the penalty spot. Okay, so it all worked, Howard. And that was right. So transparency won the day there. A peek behind the curtain, as you call it. And that's progression, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. I think it's the first time people have heard that. We've been playing these things out to, to clubs over the last few months and, and also to the broadcasters behind the scenes. But we wanted the football public to uh, to, to also be able to hear hear that. I mean, that's a pretty straightforward example. Um, of course, you know, the, the referee on the field doesn't appreciate the balls come off Kai Havertz's hand and gone straight into the goal. And we know that that's not allowed anymore within the laws of the game. And of course, the VAR can see the footage quite clearly. Uh, it's what we call a factual review. We don't need to send the referee to the screen because the only thing we're looking at is a matter of fact, did the ball hit the arm of Havertz or not. And as soon as we've established that, we just overturned the decision instead of wasting wasting more time. And and I think also, you know, that was a good example of how it's really tough for the referee to see that in real time. He's looking through the back of Havertz. And the VAR works well in those circumstances. But I think Simon made a really good point. I think good officiating starts on the field. Mm. You know, good officiating needs to be the way that the referee manages the game, makes decisions. VAR sits in the background as that safety net to rectify the clear errors in a sport that throws up so much subjectivity and a lot of grey zone. The, you know, decisions split opinion. Your show is based in many cases around difference of opinion on things. Um, and if we use VAR in that subjective grey part of the game, then, you know, you'll see a decision that you think is correct and it'll get overturned to a different decision. And you think, hang on, wh- where's my good decision gone? And then the next week it's somebody else who's feeling the same. And within a month, you've kind of lost the faith of everybody. Right. Because we're using it in an inconsistent way in your eyes. Yeah. So by only stepping in for the clear ones like the Havertz, where clearly the ball strikes the arm, no debate. We get involved with VAR, rectify that situation. Is there merit in this message from Kev, who's a West Ham fan, Howard? Jim asked Howard last night on Sky, they showed VAR decisions that ended with the correct outcome. So it, it, everybody seemed to be comfortable in studio with it. it. It would be good to hear from Howard about some of the moments that haven't been the correct outcome. I mean, you, you know what it's like, Howard. I, I can guarantee you, well, what are you, about six foot six? You can hardly walk down the street without somebody, there's Howard Webb, I'm going to chin him on X incident <laughs> at X day. They need a stepladder to chin you right enough. But I mean, for example, at the weekend, 
Joachim Anderson seeming to punch Lerma right on the nose mm. and bust his nose. Yeah. And yet nothing was done. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it would be wrong of me to sit here and say that everything's been perfect this year. Of course not. We've made some errors. We're asking human beings to sit in the VAR hub at Stockley Park and make, make a judgment on whether something is clearly wrong. Not... You know, also recognising when there's subjectivity in the decision, not re-refereeing the game. We don't want that. And sometimes that judgment is, is, <coughs> is not made accurately. Yeah. And then, obviously, our job is to reduce that variability on that judgment to make sure that what we've said will happen, i.e. VAR will step in when something's clearly wrong, mm. happens as often as possible. In a world where you know humans will make judgments under pressure, under a time pressure as well, uh, trying to apply a process, VARing is not just like watching TV at home. You know, there's a process, a diligence we have to go through to make sure we don't miss something. And we're training the officials all the time through that process, through those judgments being consistent. And we've had some that are wrong. But, but you know, we've almost rectified 100 errors in the right way this season as well. So the positives way out to weigh the, uh, the negatives. Um, and, yeah, last night we showed... We showed a range of clips. We thought it was good to show some different type of situations. Yeah, of course. There's Mostly a... correct. There was an incorrect one as well involving Bournemouth. Yeah. But going down this road, we know we're going to have to show everything. But there's an argument, Howard, when it gets into the area of subjectivity, your boys and girls don't have the skill set to be able to understand what a subjective decision needs to be made. There's an argument we made by certain sources that unless you get the skill set into your into your organisation, whether it be ex-players coming in and being involved in Stockley Park, that you're always going to be in this area where you guys are outmanned. You'll know the rule book inside out, upside down, you'll be able to recant it on a daily basis. But when it comes to making decisions about a situation with simulation or, or something that subjective needs to be involved, your guys ha- haven't had that skill set at this moment in time and are unlikely to get it in the future. Yeah, in- a really interesting point, by the way, because, I mean, like, when we came through the refereeing ranks, I started in South Yorkshire as a... As a- 18-year-old playing at the same time as refereeing, but only playing at a local level. And, and then my refereeing took off. I did well. I managed players well, you know, that sort of thing, and, and, uh, and came through because of my skills on the field. And then suddenly those referees that we, you know, we see on the Premier League now are being asked to do some VARing as well. Yeah. And many of them can transfer those skills, but it's not always transferable. Mm. And we, my job is to recognise those officials who have got that skill set to be able to do the things we're asking them to do, think clearly, communicate with the AVAR, you know, be decisive, all the things that you need to be in that VAR space un- under pressure and give, give them the support and the tool that they need. Some of that support is around tactical analysis, football insights. Mm-hmm. At the moment, we're not able to go outside of the refereeing fraternity to employ VARs. So Why is that? FIFA don't allow, or the International FA Board, who kind of like write the laws of the game, don't allow non-referees who are performing in the professional game or ex-referees who are performed in the professional game to, to be VARs. That position might change, right. but it's not something that's in our gift. Something so, you want to change? Is it something you want to change? I, I'm open to looking at all options that make this as good as it can be. I believe what, in VAR what about for the good of the game. And ex-players. we want it to be accurate. We constantly hear from ex-players. But you know, if, they, if, they took on, if they took on us, we could go, do a good job. I mean, Danny Murphy's been bleating on about it. This was Murphy on this show. You do it. Yeah. Danny Murphy is formally applying for the draw. Howard Webb, if you're listening, you're I would a candidate. Be, I would be, I would do, I would be better at VAR than any of the people they've got doing it now. Any of them, because I've watched and played more football than any of them. Is this because you played? There's not one VAR official. There's not one VAR official who's watched more football than me, because I I watch football non-stop and I'm I'm brighter than the people I who do. They... I'm more intelligent and better at watching football than those guys doing it. Because some of the decisions they come up with, that my 12-year-old would be better at than some of the decisions I've seen this season. we get a strong coffee for Danny in here, just <laughs> during the next break. You Are you would... trying to tell me I'm not bright enough to, to run VAR better than they're doing it? You could it? probably do it, but I don't think you'd be better than the people they've got in place. 
well then I might as well give up life <laughs> well we don't want you to do that Danny that's for sure but Howard do you think ex-pros like Danny are unfairly dismissive of what your guys in the VAR truck are trying to achieve I think until you've sat in the chair and actually had a go at it under pressure, I think you'll never really know. I mean, I, I respect Danny's career on the field and I also know, obviously, he clearly uh, has a really good understanding of the game. He analyses it now for a living. Um, and therefore, you know, putting him, in, putting him in that chair, he might be really good at it. We don't know until we, until we see. But I think people understand and recognise that refereeing's tough. I think they you know, they know it's not an easy job, but they've never done it, but they recognise it's hard. I think most people assume that being a VAR is easier than than it is because you sat watching screens you're watching the game mm, um, mm. but like I said earlier it's not just like watching the game I, I, went, I went to a seminar a few weeks ago in Madrid and I had a go at being a VAR probably for the first time in an actual game situation it was obviously not a competitive game but you know there's lots happening you know it's almost like patting your tummy and rubbing your head at the same time you know you're watching a situation at one end that could be a penalty but the penalty's not given and very quickly the play moves up to the other end because the game's still ongoing sure. and there's another penalty appeal 10 seconds later but that's not given either. So you're still checking the first one. Hang on, thinking, give me the angle. I need to go through a cycle of angles to see whether or not the mm. non-award of a penalty mm. is clearly wrong. At the same time, I've got another potential penalty coming up at the other end, and the game's still ongoing. Did you pass the test? Uh, not really, no, because I've not been through the training. I, I know VAR inside out. I would suggest I'm kind of like as clued up about the process as anybody in the world. Yeah. And yet, practical, practically sitting there doing it is a whole... But isn't that thing. about resource deployment, Howard? Isn't that about allocating resource to attending to certain areas of the game? So you've got one set of VAR to look at an offensive position, one set of VAR to look at a defensive position, so they don't have to multitask. They don't have to bounce from one end of the pitch to the other. Isn't that what that's about? Yeah. And, are, and are you happy with the standards that are currently being exhibited by the referees. Are you happy with it, or do you think you really have to start raising the game? Because I think you do, and I think you are beginning to do it. So, so on the on the, on the the first point about splitting responsibilities, we, we have a team in there, we have a VAR and AVR. I absolutely encourage them to work together. So when the VAR is checking that first penalty situation, join up, yeah. the AVR is watching live play and communicating what's happening out there. I've got to say, I've been impressed by the level of communication between the guys. That, I think the communication that you heard last night, I hope, left you with an impression of a professional, competent group of people. It's pretty slick. Yeah, yeah. And, and they've worked on that a lot. You know, we've brought in some coaches, we've brought in a coach from Rugby League who's been exposed to TMOing, you know, for, for some time, looking for expertise outside of, of just our sport as well. And we're looking to do that more. We're looking to recruit a new VAR manager, a whole range of coaches, our coaching directors, an ex-player uh, who played 700 times in the Football League. So, you know, we're looking for people from outside of, of just refereeing as well. Do I think the standards are where they need to be? We're always looking to be better. Of course, you'd expect me to say that, and it's true. Mm. You know, we're looking at opportunities to be the best we can be. We're bringing in those resources, including that football uh, insights, the tactical analysis that, mm. that we that we need. The, the game's changed. I mean, it's changed so much. When I used to be on the field, you know, the, the goal kicks would be taken long. I'd be on the halfway line looking for a nine-on-five challenge. We don't see goal kicks in the Premier League being taken long anymore. <laughs> That's they a great play, point. They played short and yeah. we played through the press. But just to be clear, until FIFA say yes, you can't have ex-players working in the truck. Correct. We can use their expertise in some kind of consultancy role behind the scenes, but we can't put them into the VAR chair at the moment. Welcome to the Coliseum of Confrontation. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. We are looking at uh, all aspects of the game, how it works between the referee and the VAR officials in the truck at Stockley Park. It's relatively new. And let me tell you, Howard, you're going about it positively and extremely well. And you're getting a lot of praise out there. Certain people who support certain clubs are not having you at all because they remember certain incidents. And they're like, no, 
they got it wrong that day and we can't forgive them but that's the nature of the game isn't it it's yeah. all about opinion Howard yeah. and you know that you knew it when you were a referee yeah of course and, and you know the errors cut deep don't they and the, the things that people remember uh, it's interesting I've, I've been to I've been to see most of the clubs since I came into the job in, in December I've got around most of the Premier League clubs and quite a few football league clubs as well and, yeah. and most clubs tell me that the 50-50s go against them in fact, every club's told me that. And of course, that can't be the case, can it? Because where do the 50s go? But they're the decisions that people remember. They're the things that, that cut deep. They're the things that, that leave an impact. You know, mm. a, a good decision kind of like just passes away quite quickly and doesn't leave a, a, a scar. Um, yeah. So yeah. that's the world in which we work. We understand that. That's why my job is to try to reduce those errors as much as we possibly can. And when I say errors, I mean, you know, those things that are, that are clearly wrong, not the things that are subjective that, you know, that maybe um, can be interpreted in different ways and aren't necessarily errors, just maybe are perceived as errors. And one of the things I've got to do as well is change the way the referees are perceived because I think the perception doesn't quite match reality. We need to be better, um, but I think there's a perception that we're not as good as what... But how sunlight think, think is the best are. disinfectant. It's no good you running clips of how it works. That's great. That smooths everyone past the line. Listen, if I push a keyboard and Q gets typed, I assume it works, right? I don't assume that I need to know what the binary code is behind it. So I assume you guys are doing a professional job. Yeah. What I want to know is why it doesn't work. What I want you to show me is why the decisions that you guys got wrong were wrong. So I'm not interested in the PR bit of, this is how it works. It looks great. We're all professional. We can all, we've got APP and we've got, not interested in that. I'm interested when it doesn't work, I want to know why it doesn't work and where that fault line causes the issues it's causing because it's now gone from referees being accused of making mistakes to VAR exacerbating the problem rather than reducing it. Well, Simon makes a good point, Howard. And to an extent, you're in the dock here, but I know you're comfortable with it. PGMOL admitted a mistake in the game between Tottenham and Brighton in the 2-1 defeat at Spurs when Matoma was taken down the area by Hoiberg. The incident was waved away by the referee Atwell and dismissed by the VAR official Michael Salisbury, which has now been deemed the incorrect call. On that day, a number of big errors... And it still sticks with people that that day it failed. Yeah, um, we acknowledge that particular situation has been been incorrect. Is that uh, all you can do? Uh, no, no, of course we do more than that. We uh, we look at why we we didn't get it right. Of course, we uh, we have a duty and obligation to the game to look to look at that and say, okay, let's talk about where we we, we fell short. What was it that led us to to get to the wrong outcome? Uh, and where's the learning? And we share. That information, obviously, as a management team, we'll do that with the officials. We'll get their opinion as well, of course, just like any club would do after a defeat. And then we'll you know, try to take that learning into the next game and reduce the errors. We're judged by an independent key match incident panel, so we're not marking our own homework on this. Good point. Um, yeah. we'll, be, we'll be graded next year. This, this panel came in this year for the first time, and the, the outcomes that are coming out of that panel obviously will be comparable next year year on year it's the first year this year um, but my target will be to reduce those those errors sure. um, but, but, but perfection is impossible Howard isn't it well, well yeah I mean it is when you're first and foremost dealing with human beings or working in a, in a pressured environment but sec and we, we strongly believe that by additional training by you know them following process by picking the right people to give the assignments to the appointments yeah. to yeah. Um, will give us a higher likelihood of being, being successful but understanding some, from time to time mistakes will be made I said when I came into this role that I would knowledge errors that were really clear. I do it quite a lot in terms of the dialogue to, to teams when I, when it's necessary. Sometimes we'll do it publicly. Striking that balance of when to make a public acknowledgement is not always easy, I'll be honest. Sure. Um, because, you know, I don't hear people But that's the battleground. That's the battleground. It's great that you show them how it works. Again, I make the point. The next step surely has to be to show people when it doesn't work, clearly because they can see it for themselves, but why? 
And then you start getting people on board with understanding how errors get made. Because right now, what people are suggesting, and I think there's an element of it, is there's a lack of accountability. There's no measurables, there's no benchmarks, there's ideas behind statistics that are coming out that people are questioning, and the room needs to be won back. Well, and that, be will, fair to and that will be by embracing the outcomes. You've promised regular TV shows next season, Howard, to explain controversial refereeing and VAR decisions. Will that be the good and the bad? Of course, of course. I mean, and last night was a first step. You know, we've not heard this before anywhere. It's the, I mean, we, we, we've not seen it in any of the big European leagues where the VAR audio has been played out post-game in this way. We're not able to do it live at the moment, in-game. At the, at the moment, uh, the International FA Board and FIFA don't allow that. Maybe that will change. We're, I'm part of a working group looking to see if we can get the, uh, the opportunity to play audio out live. But at the moment, we can't. So we're doing the next best thing. We're playing it out afterwards. It's a step in the right direction, we think. What are the we, objections to playing it out live? I think they feel that the, the programme's still fairly new. I think they, they feel it's still in its infancy. Officials are still developing the way to communicate with each other. I think they're always aware of the need to think about how skilled officials are at communicating in something that's pretty new and ensuring that they maintain their kind of levels of credibility. I think that's understandable. Bearing in mind as well, around the world, people are at different stages of this journey. You know, we've been here for, what, four or five years now in the Premier League and Major League Soccer it's six years, in Germany it's six. Some countries are just coming online now and if we're going to play out live, then there's an expectation it's done everywhere in the world. So I think there's a, there's a feeling globally that, you know, and you, you can agree or disagree with that, we're, we're to be clear... We're pushing this. We want yes. we want as yeah. much information out as possible. Last night was the first step. We uh, we picked a selection of clips that showed a range of types of incidents because there is some kind of misunderstanding about the basic processes that, that are applied. Yeah. But we fully understand, this is a bold move, and we fully understand that once you draw that curtain back and open that box, it's open, and we have to show everything. Yeah. And, and we actually want people to understand. On the occasions we get it wrong, and it's, it's, it's less than people would think, but when we do... I'd rather people understand the rationale for why that happened. Indeed. So, that, so that people aren't worried about Indeed. bias or, or the integrity of our officials is really high. They're professional, but they make errors sometimes like everybody yeah. else in the game. And showing, showing people why, I think, helps people understand. Or even if you don't agree with the final decision in this in this world of, of football, this subjective world of football, at least understanding the rationale helps people accept Do you want, do you want your decision. boys and girls to have a voice? Because I want you guys to have a voice. I want you to be out after the game. Not, not you... I mean the individual officials on match day having the same sort of scrutiny and the same sort of accountability individually as the players and the managers have. Do you want that? Oh, I certainly want to humanise them, Simon. I want them, I want them to be seen for the people that they are, the football-loving, dedicated professional that they are. I, I worry a little, just a little bit about the dynamic of them only being spoken to post-game when something's gone wrong. Mm-hmm. So we're not we're not in the same world as players and coaches who are interviewed when they've scored a hat trick or made a great substitution late. But you in the are game in the same space the where managers are being interviewed when they've lost games and teams are getting relegated and players yes. are getting booed yep. off a pitch. Yeah, that's true. That also happens, of course. We accept that as well. But in our world, I, I can foresee a situation where we'd only get get spoken to when there's a, a, a mistake or a perceived mistake. But maybe that's somewhere where we have to move to. We're looking at all sort of aspects of ways we can humanise because I think if people see us for. For, for those football-loving professionals that I believe we are, yeah. who are contributing positively to the game most of the time, then the acceptance level of decisions will be better. The way we're perceived is better, and that's something I'm keen to do, change the way that we're perceived. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about Work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Good morning, everybody. Yep, Howard Webb is in the studio with Simon and myself. Howard's the head of the PGMOL, was a, a top, top referee himself, refereed a World Cup final, of course. But within game and audio between officials being heard for the first time now, VAR is going to change the negative perceptions of uh, what we watch, what we hear, and what we believe to be the case on field. Simon, what do you want to say to Howard? I think one of the biggest issues I have, Howard, with besides the errors that are being made, is the on-field authority. The referee's courage of the convictions to be able to deal with issues, whether it's players behaving in a certain way, whether it's dissent, whether it's simulation, whether it's fourth officials having to be subjected to uh, managers, uh, whether it's referees being pushed by Bruno Fernandes or players coming up behind uh, the linesmen in the game at Anfield the other day. So I, I feel that your referees lack substance at times, lack the ability to lead and lack the authority. And part of commanding the respect and demanding the respect and being able to get the outcomes that both the public and the players want is a certain level of authority on the pitch. And I think they lack substance. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I think that's a, that's a fair point. I think uh, we've seen over time levels of behaviour deteriorate and an acceptance almost of some behaviours. Which, which part is a fair point? The players' behaviour or your guys not having the authority they should I think, have? I think, I think both parts. I think play behaviour, technical area behaviour has, de- has declined over time. I think that's the reason why we've got some uh, people, a group, a working group, participant behaviour working group, looking at the moment at how we can take some, some real steps to change the trend in terms of the behaviour. But we're going to be right at, the, right at the front line of that. Our officials are going to be at the front line mm-hmm. dealing with players who are surrounding them, ensuring that, that coaches in the technical area that, that behave in an unacceptable way that sets a really bad example are dealt with strongly. At the moment, we're in a world where quite often our officials, and I did this myself when I was on the field, will will take a conciliatory approach. We'll try to play things down. We, we'll, not, we'll, we'll, we'll try to not overreact. We don't want to, to ruin the game in that moment by taking strong action that might send a team down to 10 men that then changes the balance of a game because of some reaction from a player. If it's a bad tackle, two-footed lunge, fine, no problem. But if it's something that is you know, more related to behaviour, officials for some time have taken quite a conciliatory approach and we need to change. We need to, we need to take stronger action consistently and I think we're going to see that coming into to next year because I sense, I don't know if you guys get the same feeling, that there's a, a feeling within the game that it's time for change in that respect, that we need to focus on this great product that's on the field, yeah. the game, and not some of the, the circus that happens elsewhere I think around some on of the behaviours. I mean, we're going to be in, involved in that, of course. A lot of top coaches, I'm sure you'd agree with me, hide behind this, oh, it's all in the emotion of the game, the moment of the game, we're caught up in the emotion of the game. They've got to behave themselves, and they've got to help you guys. Yeah, and it, it has to be this whole game approach. We hear those sort of terms quite often, don't we? But it needs to be um, our guys feeling supported to take strong action on the field. I mean, they're not helping themselves at the moment by taking a, a more conciliatory mm. approach. You You're know, going to change I, that, I yeah. think to change 
the, 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 the sense of authority on the field. Mm-hmm. We need consistently throughout the season, and not just through the first weeks of the season, yeah. but consistently through the entire thing and beyond into every season, take this, this firm, robust approach in terms of behaviours that fall below acceptable levels, supported by the authorities beyond the actual game itself. And the FA have been good this year in terms of, you know, in terms of the action that they've taken where they can against teams who surround officials, who, you know, when the behaviours in the technical area have not been right and proper. Is that why some good, strong action taken. Is that why you came out so robustly behind Paul Turney? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's still a case ongoing at the moment there, but, you know, but, but based on what I witnessed, Paul Tierney behaved in an appropriate way and needed our support. You know, these, these, these officials are, you know, performing well most of the time. I've acknowledged when they've made errors, but I'm here to support them and defend them, of course. Yeah. Of course, of course. Uh, and your true to your word, Howard, you said you would take a call, we're going to take a call. I don't know Danny the Villa fan, but Danny the Villa fan is through to us. Good morning to you, Danny. Morning. Okay. Yeah, good, good, good. Howard, if you pop these headphones on, we'll hear Danny. Danny, good morning to you. Howard is with us live. So, lucky boy, you're through to us. What do you want to say? Um, I just wanted to discuss the possibility of a challenge system and why there hasn't been enough talk, in my opinion, as to why that could be introduced. Uh, I think there's some really interesting points, and I think it would be a net positive. Uh, if if we were to have the ability to challenge some of the decisions, maybe if it was the captain having one per game or you know one per half, and you know if you if you get it right, you keep your challenge. If you lose it, um, you lose it. Uh, so I've got a couple of points here that I just wanted to touch on, and uh, if you will, um, as to why it would be a positive. Go on then, Howard. What do you think? I mean, similar situation in tennis, if you like. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Danny. Great to speak to you. Um, yeah, when VAR was first being thought about, and and it was sort of like it was it was in the works for a long, long time. I mean, you know, over five, six, seven years, they were talking about the way they could do it. They tried it out in different places, and different sort of protocols were drawn up in different parts of the world. Um, they did look at a possibility of this challenge by a coach or by a captain, but they they decided the International FA Board and FIFA, who worked together on the creation of the VAR protocol, decided that there wasn't a need for a challenge because. Every key situation in the game gets checked. So every time there's a goal scored, every time a penalty is awarded or a penalty maybe could have been awarded, red card given or maybe should have been given, yeah. every situation is looked at by the, by the VAR. And then the VAR asks themselves the question, was the on-field decision clearly wrong? Is it one that I need to get involved in and send the referee to the screen to have a look at again? Mm. Obviously, some of the debate sits around you know, <laughs> whether or not that threshold of clearly wrong has been met. That takes a judgment by the human being sitting in the VAR booth who then recommends a review. Yeah. We believe that's the best place to be because we think if we just say to the VAR, oh, you know, just send them to the screen just for a second look. You know, some would, some wouldn't. What's the trigger point for that second look? At the minute, sure. it's clearly wrong. So, we, you know, we, we, we understand why it works that way. Um, if you had a challenge system, maybe it could work. Um, yeah, at the end of the day, the referee would still need to take a look at it themselves. For sure. In the fullness of time, you might look at it. Howard, this is from... Danny, thanks for that. This is someone who works in the game. I know this chat. I won't name him. One thing I'm interested in the law, incidentally, this is fascinating with Howard this morning, but the law is so complicated now. Does Howard believe there's enough understanding of the laws of the game amongst players and amongst the public? Uh, I think there's probably a basic understanding. Um, I hope what we did last night might have given some more insight into some of the specific processes around uh, around the use of VAR, for, for example. But I think a lot of it just comes down to the subjectivity. We I, I think, look at handball. Handball creates so much talk. Doesn't yes. It? You know, I, I know UEFA recently put together a panel of ex-top coaches and players who came together in Switzerland and they said, look, we know we need clarity on the, on the handball situation. What is and what isn't handball? Because we're asking 
officials to make a judgment as to whether the position of an arm is making the player unnaturally bigger in an unjustifiable way. So what you and I think are unjustifiable positions, what's unnatural to you, Jim, unnatural to me, might be slightly different. My job is to get the officials thinking as consistently as possible, in line with what the game expects, through consultation with the players and the, yeah. and the coaches, LMA, PFA, all of these bodies, yeah. to try to credibly apply the laws of the game. But don't expect it to be perfect every time, because we're making judgments in the moment, on the field or in the VAR, yes, in yeah. terms of whether that threshold of unnatural has been met. Sure. We'll finish with this, and I want you to have the final say, and you've you've gone an extra 15 minutes with us, and I hope people out there realise this is liver than live. This is live at the moment. Howard has come on, and we are trying to push the points that you want to hear Howard answer. To all the VAR sceptics out there, Howard, to all the sceptics of our referees, what would you like to say? I'd like to say that everything we do is with the intention of making the game better. This year alone, we've seen 97 clear errors rectified by VAR. We're working hard to be as efficient as we can be and reduce errors. We think there's a net positive to the game. We think that the times that we have to slow the game down to do the diligence of a check is a price worth paying to ensure that we don't make clear errors that can impact the outcome of a game that impacts the outcome of a relegation battle or battle to get into Europe. So overall, we're working hard to be a positive influence. We think we're moving in the right direction and we'll continue working hard to do so. Excellent. You enjoying the job, Mr. Webb? Most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Howard, thank you. Howard Webb with us live on here this morning. Danger. Flammable exchanges ahead. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Thanks for listening to Outspoken with White and Jordan. Please leave us a review wherever you get your podcast. We'll be back each weekday to bring you the best of the show. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.